today we're going to be talking about walls. And one of the most famous walls in history was the Berlin Wall. Built after World War II, it stretched 27 miles between East and West Germany. You may have remembered it was often referred to as the Iron Curtain. And it was guarded day and night, dividing families and nations. Next month will be the 20th anniversary of President Ronald Reagan's speech in front of that wall, where he challenged then-President Gorbachev that if he really wanted peace, if he really meant what he said, he would come down and he would tear down that wall. Well, it was about two years later that a million people did just that. They came down, they had their sledgehammers, and they started to take that wall down bit by bit, chunk by chunk. But you know, I believe that wall started to come down long before those people got their hands on it. I think that wall started to come down as people got together and prayed. You see, there was a church in East Germany that had been doing just that. Once a week, they began having prayer meetings for peace. And at one point, right before the fall of the wall, um, there was 150,000 people meeting together to pray. You can just imagine that, can't you? Oh, they must have been out into the streets. And of course, the German officials were quite upset about this. They were threatening to disband that prayer meeting. If, if they had to use force, they would do it. But the people continued to meet and pray. And after the wall came down, very cool, the, in that town, a big banner went up, and it said, thank you, church. Thank you, church. Today, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Ephesians, and we're going to find that the early church also had a wall that needed to come down. Paul, the writer of this book or this letter, knew about this wall firsthand. He'd been in Jerusalem at the temple when an angry mob of Jews came and got a hold of him. They drug him outside, started beating him up. Soon a riot started, Roman troops were called in, and Paul was put in prison. And we believe it's from prison that he wrote this letter. So what had happened? What had Paul done? Well, supposedly he had taken a Gentile, and he had taken a Gentile and led him all the way in to God's house. Well, the problem with that is at that time, God's house was divided into courtyards. There was the inner courtyard for the Jews and the outer courtyards for the Gentiles, or basically anybody who wasn't a Jew. And you weren't allowed to go into the Jewish courtyard. In fact, there was a wall separating those two courtyards, about four and a half feet high. And along that wall were pillars. And they've uncovered these pillars, and there's been inscriptions found that basically said if you went past that wall and you weren't supposed to, you could be sentenced to death. And so, Obviously, there was a lot of hostility. This, this physical wall was just a representation of the, the ill will between these two races of people, the Gentiles and the Jews. But the good news is, is that Jesus came to tear that wall down. And Jesus also came to tear our walls down. You see, we also are guilty of putting up walls to keep other people out. For example, there are some of you here today that have walls in your marriage where there was once peace and unity and intimacy, now there's kind of this cool blanket. Others of you maybe have a wall between you and a parent or you and a child. There's been disappointments and hurts. And maybe you talk, maybe you don't. And even when you do, maybe things stay at the surface, you know, where it's safe because, you know, you have your wall. 
Or maybe it's not with a parent or a child. Maybe it's with another family member or a coworker or a neighbor or a former friend. We have walls. Sometimes our walls are with whole groups of people. If you were honest, maybe there's a whole kind of class of people, group of people that you would never allow into your world. Walls. And all these walls are harmful to our unity, to peace. Um, and so God wants us to tear these walls down. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, the first thing we can do is remember. Remember we belong. And that's where Paul starts today in chapter 2, verse 11. He says, remember what you were in the past. At that time, you were apart from Christ. You were foreigners and didn't belong to God's chosen people. You had no part in the covenants, which were based on God's promises to his people, and you lived in this world without hope and without God. But now, in union with Christ Jesus, you who used to be far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So here Paul is specifically talking to the Gentile believers in the Ephesian church who were, for the most part, fairly new to following the God of the Bible. God's plan for building a family had first started with the Jews. They were the first kids in the house, so to speak. But after Jesus came, God threw open the doors and he said, no, I want everybody from everywhere, all nations, to be invited in. In fact, these were Jesus' famous words, his famous last words before he went to heaven. Found in Matthew 28, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples, or Jesus followers, of all nations. No one was to be excluded. No one was to be left out. Didn't matter where you were from, didn't matter uh, your past, how many mistakes you made, you were welcome, you were wanted as a part of God's family. He wanted everyone to be able to come in, to be able to have a seat at his table with everybody else. Well, recently, our family, the Barr family, has been expanding. Um, I just thought, not waistlines, I don't want you to think that, although that might have happened too, but we've been expanding in different ways. We've added to our family. In the last two years, both of our kids have gotten married, and we've gone quite a ways to get these spouses into our family. Uh, Kelsey married Fred, who's from Kenya, and then Kenny uh, met Andrea down in California, and they got married last summer. Then Fred and Kelsey had a baby last um, December, and this is our granddaughter, Baby May. Yeah. So this, I, this is what people do when they get on stage. They get to show off pictures of their family. That's Baby May. So yeah, so our, our family's expanding, and recently I've been kind of unhappy because we can't all fit around the dining room table anymore. We've had this kind of narrow dining room, and uh, so I kind of been complaining about it. And last month, we decided to actually tear a wall down and add an additional four feet. Well, that was more my idea than Mike's. <laughs> Maybe that's a mom thing, I don't know. But, you know, it was important to me. You know, there's something about getting around the table and talking and laughing and sharing a meal together. And I think it's important to God that his, his family get together and gather around the table and be united. He wants everyone to have a place at his table. And so I want to ask you, is there anything keeping you from coming all the way in and taking a seat? Have you been holding back from getting involved? 
maybe you're like a man I heard about recently, his wife kept telling him to get up one Sunday morning, and he said, I don't want to go to church. I'm happy right here in this bed. And she said, come on, you've got to get up and go to church. And he said, no, no, I don't want to go. Um, the church is, is cold. They don't like me there. I don't fit in. And she said, that's ridiculous. Get up and get out of that bed. He said, no, give me three good reasons why I should. She said, okay, well, one, the church is friendly. Two, you do two fit in. And three, honey, you're the pastor. You have to get up. It's time. <laughs> it's a joke, but you know, sometimes, isn't it true, sometimes it's, it's hard <laughs> to come in and get involved. We have these thoughts that we don't fit in, or maybe we have an experience in our past with the church, and so we have our wall. We have our wall. We'll only go so far. And so I'm going to challenge you today, if you're on the outside fringes, to tear down that wall, to think about it. Think about it. I love this church, and one of the reasons I do is the diversity that you'll find here. If you, if you come all the way in, you're going to find different kinds of people here. You're going to find people who are executives and those who are unemployed. You're going to find young people and old people. You're going to find the educated and uneducated. You're going to find married and divorced. You're going to find athletes and those who are in wheelchairs. There's just a lot of diversity here. And you know, I think that our differences are kind of what make us a colorful bunch. Wouldn't you agree? We're a colorful bunch. But I think it's kind of like a rainbow in the sky. It's like if we let our differences shine, I think we're going to be more attractive to the outside world. And so if you think you're a little different, if you, if you aren't sure you fit in, I'm here to tell you you do. You do belong. So that's the very first thing. If we're going to tear down a wall, we have to make up our minds, yeah, I do belong here. The second thing we can do if we want to tear down a wall is we can discover what's behind it. What's holding our wall up? When we started tearing down the wall in our dining room, I say we, but I actually didn't do anything. My husband <laughs> did it all. Um, but what we found is that um, there was no insulation. So that was kind of a surprise, although it was a very cold room, and now we know why. The other thing we found is that right behind the sheetrock was actually a solid plywood sheet, like a big, thick plywood piece of wood, I guess it's called, and uh, a lot of nails. I don't know if somebody got a power tool for Christmas or exactly what happened there, but there was just a whole lot of nails. And so it was really, really hard to take that wall down. And I think that's kind of like some of our walls. Some of our walls are going to be pretty hard to take down. And so if that's you, um, you can get a hold of me. I will send Mike over, and we will see what we can do. But if we go back to our passage, Paul tells the Ephesian church what's behind the wall dividing its members, and he points them to the help that they're going to need to tear it down. He goes on to say, For Christ himself has brought us peace by making Jews and Gentiles one people. With his own body, he broke down the wall that separated them and kept them enemies. He abolished the Jewish law with its commandments and rules in order to create out of the two races one new people in union with himself, in this way making peace. By his death on the cross, Christ destroyed their enmity. By means of the cross, he united both races into one body and brought them back to God. 
So what was behind the wall in the Ephesian church? Well, the, it says it was hatred. That's what the word enmity means. There was hatred. The Jews hated the Gentiles. The Gentiles hated the Jews. Well, why was that? Well, for the Jews, um, they had been entrusted with the law, the Ten Commandments. And God had also given them some special promises. And so, consequently, they kind of developed this kind of a superiority complex. And they thought they were God's favorites. And, and they looked down on the Gentiles. They didn't want to have anything to do with Gentiles. Well, what about the Gentiles? Well, they hated the Jews <laughs> because they'd been discriminated against, right? They'd been looked down on. And uh, even, it's interesting, even after a Gentile converted, say, to Judaism or later to Christianity, they were treated like second-class citizens. And so we have this hostility between these two groups. But Paul tells them, listen, there's no more reason for it. There's no reason for it anymore. The law that had once made the Jews feel so special and the Gentiles feel so excluded had been done away with. And Jesus had leveled the playing field. Everyone was on equal footing with God because God, Jesus had replaced the law with grace. Mike talked about that last week, that we are saved by grace. It's not about how well we can keep the law. It's not about whether we've made mistakes or not made mistakes, that we can all approach God on equal footing because of what Jesus did, his death on the cross. So this means if there is no wall, if Jesus took care of that, then if there is one standing, it's because we've built it. It's because of our own making. And we, we have our reasons, right? We, we, we have good reasons to put up walls. We've been hurt, or uh, maybe we've got some pride or something like that. Are there people in your life that you won't let in? Why? See, if you can answer that question, if you can figure out why you won't, then you've got the answer to what's behind your wall. Recently, I've been reading through the book of Mark, and I'm noticing anew how much time and, and energy is spent on talking about Jesus' interactions in the community and how little is given to his ministry inside the four walls of God's house. And it's kind of interesting. Jesus, God with skin on, had no walls. If you, if you look through the scriptures, he's out there interacting with everybody. You know, it didn't matter what hang-ups you had or sins or your past or, you know, what kind of family you came from. Jesus openly welcomed people, invited people into relationship. And, and I think they sensed that. I think that was something that was very attractive about him. I want to ask you a question that I've been asking myself. It's kind of a hard question. Where in my life am I actively reaching out to people who aren't like me? I've been kind of sobered by the realization that actually the longer I've worked at the church, the worse it's got, that most of the people now in my, my inner circle are people like me. Same stage of life, same interests, you know, same, same kids, you know, it's about the same age with grandkids. And, and I realized that I've kind of developed this wall, unintentionally, but nonetheless. So what's behind my wall? Well, it's selfishness. I mean, I've just kind of stopped making time, stopped making room. I haven't made it a priority 
to include others who are different than me. So I'm taking some steps to change that. Um, I'm trying to put myself in situations maybe that are a little out of my comfort zone, um, in environments where I'm going to have the chance to meet people, people who are different than I am. How about you? How much effort are you getting, giving to making room for others in your life? I know some of you are actually doing a fantastic job. Fantastic. Some of the life groups here are adopting refugee families. Um, others of you are foster parents. You guys are my heroes. Some of you volunteer at homeless shelters or serve at like food banks, like the one next door at Serve Spokane. Still others of you are volunteering in ministries like Friendship Group, um, who reaches out to those who are mentally um, challenged. Um, our kids' ministry, um, they're developing a team right now that will partner with kids who are, have physical limitations or who are intellectually or, or maybe just have some behavioral problems. And it's important to us. We want to make sure that everyone is welcome here. And not only that, we want to go the extra mile if necessary to do that. And I think that is really at the heart of who Jesus was. This is what Paul said about him. He said, so Christ came and preached the good news of peace to all, to you Gentiles who are far away from God and to the Jews who were near. It is through Christ that all of us, Jews and Gentiles, are able to come in one spirit into the presence of the Father. So Jesus was intentional about reaching out to those who were not only close to him, but those who were far away. He, he went the extra mile. And it was because of him that we actually now have access to God. We, we can be welcomed into God's presence um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died, when he went to heaven, he left us the Holy Spirit. And when you become a Christian, you, you receive the Holy Spirit right then. And that Holy Spirit, he does so much. <laughs> he teaches, he encourages, um, he guides us, he counsels us, he baptizes us, he anoints us with power. So the reason he can do all that is because he's powerful, very powerful. And that's something we're going to need if we're going to tear down walls. The third thing we're going to need is we're going to need to rely on the Holy Spirit's power, not, not our own strength. I want to just put a plug in for a conference um, on the Holy Spirit that we're having the third week of May, on Friday night and Saturday morning. So if you would like to come and get a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> If you want to come and learn more about the Holy Spirit, please come to that conference. That's going to be a really good time. My son Kenny had an experience with the power of the Holy Spirit, uniting him with a group of people. Um, he's been in L.A. for about six years. And about two years into it, um, he met a pastor over coffee who invited him to come to church. Um, the pastor's church was about an hour away from Kenny's dorm. But he really liked him and kind of wanted to go check it out, so he went. And he didn't realize till he got there that it was going to be at the, in the heart of West L.A., not, not the best neighborhood. Um, and then when he got inside the church, he realized he was the only white guy there. So that was interesting. But the people there, despite the racial tensions in that culture, were so welcoming. They were so inviting, and Kenny loved it there. He felt welcome. And so he started serving in the youth group. And uh, one night, 
um, the kids approached Kenny and they asked if they could pray for him. And who, who turns down prayer, right? So all the kids gathered around Kenny and they laid hands on him and they prayed for Kenny to be black. <laughs> and he's, he's black, my son's black, that's how powerful the Holy Spirit is. Uh, but they, they told Kenny afterwards, they said, okay, Kenny, now you're black. The only thing is you got to stop wearing the white tube socks and you got to stop listening to country music. You're one of us. It's all good. I love that. What did those kids do? Well, they believed Kenny belonged every bit as much as they did. They were intentional about inviting Kenny to be one of them. And then they relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to unite them, to bring down those walls. But you know, it's possible very possible, that even when you realize you have a wall that needs to come down, you won't be able to do it on your own. Um, I experienced this with my dad. My earliest memories of my dad are, are pretty painful. And over the years, I kind of built myself a pretty good-sized wall to keep him out. And growing up, he would talk about it. He would say, you know, you're so cold. And I, I think I was. I think I was. And it was years, probably into my adulthood, when God started talking to me about my wall in the form of unforgiveness. You see, that's what was behind my wall. That's what was holding it up. And it was hard to even think about tearing that down. <laughs> I didn't even know how to go about it. And so I prayed, and I asked God for help, and I had other people pray. And, and over the course of the years, layer by layer, bit by bit, that wall came down. And it took some counseling and, and different things at times. But I got to the place where I was really freed up from all that. Um, unfortunately, my dad wasn't. His wall didn't come down. And so our family remained divided because of it. So that went on for quite a while. And then uh, late last summer, I got a call that my dad was sick. Um, he had cancer, not long to live. And uh, my family, knowing I was the closest one in proximity, asked if I would get involved. And so I did. You know, that's what you do. And so <laughs> I did. And uh, I went and helped take care of my dad. I helped take care of my mom, who has dementia. And uh, it was kind of an amazing experience, because I truly did it out of obedience. But I can tell you that the Holy Spirit gave me the strength to love them like I'd never been hurt. It was really kind of miraculous. And so um, my dad passed away in October. And uh, this is the time where I'd like to tell you that everything ended really great. And it didn't. The truth is, um, my dad died very angry with me. And that's been tough. That's been tough. But it brings to, to light the fact that, you know, sometimes we'll take down our walls, we'll do the hard work, go to God. And other people don't. And, and reconciliation takes two people, right? Two people. Well, as you can imagine, this has been a, kind of a difficult experience. But um, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about since the months that he passed away was just, just having a kind of a greater appreciation for Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus came, laid down his life for us. It was costly. It was painful. But he did it so that the wall could be removed between us and God. 
But don't people die every day rejecting his offer for peace? And so, you know, I just had comfort realizing the fact that, well, he knows what it feels like, you know? I'm not alone. You're not alone. I know that there's probably some of these, some people in this room who have or are going through similar experiences where you've made the effort, you've extended the offer for peace, and it's been rejected. Can I tell you that, that you are wanted, that you do have a family, that sitting all around you are your brothers and sisters in Christ? And I think that if you were to open up, if you were to come all the way in, if your walls were down, what you would find, what I found, is that there are people here to help you walk through pretty much just anything that you're going through. We're a family. Paul ends this passage with this encouragement. So then, you Gentiles are not foreigners or strangers any longer. You are now citizens together with God's people and members of the family of God. You see, when you decide to join a church, you're really deciding to be part of God's family. And God's heart is that we all get along, that we're all unified and at peace with each other, that we're, we know each other well enough that we can sit around the table together and laugh and share stories. We can cry together when we need to. So I want to ask you if there's been a wall that's come to mind since I've been talking today. Wall with somebody that you know, a wall keeping you on the fringes of the church, a wall between you and a group of people, or maybe even between you and God. Would you have the courage today to, to maybe get out that sledgehammer and take a swing at that? The way we do that is we just come to God and we say, look, I, I want to, I'm willing, but I need help. And so that's what we're going to give some time to today. Would you all bow your heads in prayer? Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. And uh, if you say it, Lord, then it's so. And you have said that you have torn down the wall. But God, sometimes we have trouble. <laughs> sometimes we're just human. And uh, we need help, Lord. I pray for anybody in this room that um, thought of a wall today. And uh, Lord, we just bring that wall to you. Father, we ask for the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit to just begin dismantling it, Lord, brick by brick. We want it, that wall to come down. We want, it, we want to know what that freedom from that wall feels like, um, to have nothing holding us back from relationship, to have nothing holding us back from you. And so, Father, I pray that, that we would begin that process today. And, uh, Lord, give us your strength, Lord. Draw us near to you. Make us known you're with us as we tear down our walls. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Laurel. I was thinking as she was talking how we only have control, you only have control over your wall. You don't have control over someone else's, over the person that might be between so tear let's tear those walls down tear that wall down if there's a wall make sure it's not on your property
okay? Make sure it's, it's someone else's choice, not yours. Let's, let's look for those that we can include and bring in that feel they're on the outside when they don't need to be. They need to be in. They need to be accepted and embraced as our brothers and sisters. Amen? Have a great week. If you need prayer, there'll be people up here to pray with you. We'll see you next week.